0: The Beacon, celebrating when God uses the unexpected to do the unexplainable.
1: Well, good morning and welcome to The Beacon, sponsored by Phoenix Christian Preparatory School, where we celebrate on this program week after week when God uses the unexpected to do the unexplainable. Our host, Steve Woods, our our board vice chair here at Phoenix Christian, he has the day off and he's traveling for work reasons. And Steve, we love you. We miss you. And we're looking forward to being back in the studio with you again when it's, when it's good. Uh, but good morning. My name is Jeff Blake, and I'm honored to serve as the superintendent of Phoenix Christian Preparatory School. But more importantly this morning, I've got the opportunity to serve as this week's host and a conversation. And we are blessed and honored to have the Honorable Congresswoman Debbie Lesko on our show, The Program. And so, Congresswoman Lesko, Welcome.
2: Hello, how are you? I hope you're doing well, and I hope all of your listeners are doing fantastic.
1: Well, we're doing fantastic, and we're blessed and honored to have you on the program this morning, calling all the way in from Washington, D.C. And this morning, Congresswoman, today we're going to turn the spotlight of the beacon toward the unique investment of leadership from you, a member of our congressional delega- delegation. And today we celebrate another expression of when God uses the unexpected to do the unexplainable in the life in the life of our of our Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. Today, we want to examine the role of a congressional leader in this unprecedented season with a global pandemic, social unrest, and certainly unquestionable political polarization. And so Congresswoman Debbie Lesko, she represents Arizona's 8th congressional district. And Congresswoman, help me remember um, all the different zones that your district covers here in, in, the, in the Phoenix area.
2: Sure. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, my district includes people that live in New River, Anthem, parts of North Phoenix, parts of West Phoenix, all of Peoria, a large part of Glendale, all of Surprise, all of Sun City, Sun City West, Sun City Grand, all of Youngtown, all of El Mirage, uh, all of Litchfield Park, and a part of Goodyear. So basically the North Suburbs and the west suburbs of Phoenix.
1: That's incredible. You know, I was looking at it last night, but I didn't even just having you list it out. Just it's an incredible expanse, and you represent a really diverse population of our city.
2: I do. It's fantastic.
1: That's incredible. And really, quite a responsibility. To, to I'm sure you get a lot of input from a lot of diverse perspectives and opinions. I do. Yep. I see here that in May of 2018, you were sworn into the U.S. House of Representatives after winning a special election, and then recently re-elected for a two-year term. Do I have that correct? You do. You bet. And you serve in the 116th Congresswoman. And uh, Congresswoman, help me understand all the different uh, the committees and, and and groups that you're a part of in the United States Congress.
2: You bet. So I am on three different committees in the U.S. House of Representatives. The first one is the Rules Committee. The Rules Committee is a very important committee. The members are selected by leadership. So on the Democrat side, there are nine Democrat members selected by Speaker Pelosi. And on the Republican side, there are four Republicans selected by the top Republican, Kevin McCarthy. And so Kevin McCarthy asked me to serve on this committee and the reason it's a lopsided committee is because Democrats have the majority in the US House of Representatives, which means that more Democrat Congress members were elected than Republican Congress members in 2018 and thus the Democrats set the agenda, meaning that the Speaker of the House is a Democrat, all the chairmen of all the committees are Democrats, And so they're the ones that set the agenda. They're the ones that determine what bills are heard, what bills aren't heard, what bills are voted on, which ones aren't voted on. And so that's how it works. So the Rules Committee uh, is, is very, it meets a lot. So the good thing about the Rules Committee is that I learn about every major bill because every major bill that has already passed out of any of the other committees Before it goes to the floor for a vote by the full Congress, it has to go through rules committee. And we get testimony from the chairman of the committee that it comes from, and the ranking member in this case, the top Republican of that committee. Amendments can be offered in that committee. In fact, the whole bill can be totally changed in that committee. So it's a very powerful committee, especially for the party in charge, in this case, the Democrats um and so the vote is usually nine to four uh and uh and so part of that committee i also speak on the floor of the u.s house of representatives i did that yesterday and it's called managing the rule and i debate with my democratic counterpart on the bills and the contents of the bills if we disagree on them so it's it's really quite exciting i i enjoy speaking on the floor of the u.s house of representatives and debating um on issues that i believe in uh the other bill the other committee that i am on is the homeland security committee this deals as the name applies with securing our nation the authority that it has is over customs and border protection and under and it also has authority over the department of homeland security so anything to do with immigration uh, Issues as it relates to customs and border protection, the border wall, um, cyber security, um, anything like that is under the jurisdiction of that committee, including the Coast Guard. So the Coast Guard is also under the jurisdiction of that committee. On that committee, I am the top Republican on the subcommittee for um, maritime and transportation security, which basically means Coast Guard and TSA. And uh, so it's a real interesting committee and subcommittee. Then I'm also on the Judiciary Committee. Well, the Judiciary Committee, I'm one of the few non-lawyers on the Judiciary Mm -hmm. Committee, But boy, what an important committee that was this year, uh, because that was where impeachment was voted on. And uh, so we hear a lot of controversial bills in that committee, whether it's impeachment, whether it's gun rights, whether it's pro-life versus pro-abortion, whether it's uh, for traditional family values versus non-traditional family values, Uh, That is the committee where the Equality Act went through. I opposed it um, because it actually prioritizes transgenders over uh, other people, and I think all people should be treated equally, not have one group of people prioritized over another group of people. So a lot of very controversial issues go through Judiciary Committee. The only, I would say, boring issues that are bipartisan that go through that committee are like intellectual property um, and copyrights and those type of things. Uh, So sometimes I get um, music uh, songwriters coming in my office singing to me because songwriters, (laughs) they're like... um, fees they get paid, their royalties, all that stuff, that all gets decided by the Judiciary Committee. I so those are the three committees I'm on. Most members are on either one or two committees. I'm on three committees, so I keep my staff busy and myself.
1: Well, I was going to ask you about that. That's uh, Those are three really significant committees with a lot of influence uh, in the House. Give me an understanding of what does that look like in terms of when you're in session, when you're in D.C., balancing time. This has got to be Heavy for your staff, heavy for you to juggle To juggle this.
2: Yeah, you know, my staff wasn't really excited when I said I wanted to keep Homeland Security <laughs> Committee. So what happened is Kevin McCarthy, the top Republican, asked me to be on Rules Committee. And we knew that was going to be a lot of time because when you think of it, all of the bills, the major bills that pass out of the other committees have to go through Rules Committee first. And so sometimes we may late into the night or into the early morning of the next day. So it's just a lot of uh, time commitment, but I learn a lot about the bills and the committee. Um, And so I, I said yes to that because Kevin McCarthy asked me to do it. And it's an honor to serve on a leadership committee. Then I didn't even ask to be on judiciary committee. I was actually trying to get on energy and commerce committee Uh, And uh, Doug Collins, who was the Republican congressman who is the top Republican on Judiciary Committee, called me and asked me if I would be on the Judiciary Committee. And I think one of the reasons uh, for that is because I'm a woman and I'm a pro-life woman and I'm also uh, somebody that's not afraid to speak up for what I believe in. And they needed that on the Judiciary Committee, because we do a lot of stuff with Violence Against Women Act, Equality Act, pro-life issues. And so I think the men are more comfortable with a woman talking about that type of thing. And so um, I got on that committee, and then, of course, impeachment uh, came along. And so that actually took most of my time was the impeachment. Then I was one of eight U.S. Congress members that President Trump and the White House selected to be on the President Trump's impeachment defense team, they called it, it was basically media. So we would run over to the Senate when the Senate was, Voting on the impeachment stuff and do these press gaggles when they were in recess over there And so I was running back and forth and I was on TV a lot during the impeachment proceedings But then part of the deal I said okay to leadership. I said, okay, I'll do rules, I'll do Judiciary Committee, but I have an ask. I want to stay on Homeland Security <laughs> Committee because I like Homeland Security Committee, and I'd like to be the top Republican on, this, on one of the subcommittees. And so my much to my staff's chagrin, who were like, <laughs> we're going to be totally overworked, uh, the leadership said yes. So, but it's all worked out. I like all three committees.
1: That's really, really impressive. And I would assume, you know, if I, my memory is right, that was the third time our country, when the House voted uh, for impeachment, you were part of a historic vote and historic process that really had to be really extraordinary. And there you were defending defending the president of the United States, certainly in committee, but then also on, on television. How do you prepare for something like that?
2: You know, I just figured God has put me in this whole place. Um, I wasn't I didn't I didn't even think about um, going for Congress because my past congressman was Trent Franks for about the same age. I liked Trent Franks. I had no issues with Trent Franks. I thought he was going to be there forever, right? And so then it was unexpected when he decided to resign in December of 2017. In fact, I was in the state senate at the time and I was the Appropriations Chairman in the State Senate and Senate President Pro Tem, and I was gonna run for Senate President. And I thought I had the vote. So that was my plan in December of 2017. And then all of a sudden, Trent Franks decides to resign and a number of people immediately called me, suggested I run. Well, it took me like two weeks to decide if I should run because on the one hand, I thought, "Geez, I really think I can get this Senate presidency and well, I would be the second well, Republican or the second woman hey, Debbie, as a Senate president in the history."
1: You're going to want to hang on, hear the rest of this. I'm excited to see where this goes. Thanks for listening to The Beacon.
0: The Beacon is presented by Phoenix Christian, a school celebrating excellence in education since 1949. Learn more at phoenixchristian.org.
1: Well, welcome back, and thanks for listening to The Beacon. I, and i got to be honest here. I, you know, I'm an educator. I'm a school superintendent, but one of my first loves, I taught AP, Advanced Placement, uh, U.S. in Politics, for about 10, 15 years. And I've sat here with Congresswoman Lesko and learned more in two minutes than I think that I learned in teaching for 15 years and a mystery in my mind Congresswoman was always exactly how the rules committee work and you put it succinctly in a way that I could get my little mind wrapped around and I want to thank you personally for that you're making me want to be back in the classroom
2: all right well good
1: you bet and welcome
2: if, back well, Come visit us
1: Amen to that. And when the when this last segment was wrapping up, um, you were talking about the unexpected transition for uh, Congressman Trent Franks, and all of a sudden, here you are in a unique. And that was what about 2017?
2: Yeah, he he resigned in 2017, and anyway, there were 11 other um, Republicans that got in that race, and so I was the 12th Republican, and I had to beat 11 other Republicans. And I had a decision to make. I was like, am I going to run for Congress or am I going to stay in the state Senate and run for Senate president where I thought I had a good shot versus running against 11 other people? I wasn't sure if I was going to make it or not, but I decided to do it. I decided that I would regret it the rest of my life if I didn't try to run for Congress. And so here I am. I'm totally blessed. It's unexpected. I um, had years ago, I was married to an abusive husband and I, at, there was a time where I literally had no money, no place to live. Um, I had a little daughter who was a single mom just struggling to pay the bills uh, and have a car that didn't break down all the time. And uh, when you think back of where I started from, from there To now being in the United States Congress, um, serving on the President's impeachment defense team, one of eight people in the entire U.S. Congress, flying on Air Force One with the (laughs) President of the United States now three times, and getting to speak to him directly. It is just amazing how much God has blessed me and used me.
1: That's incredible. And you you gave me an image of you, the president on Air Force One. Can you just unpack that for a minute? What is that experience like?
2: Oh, that's awesome. I have to tell you. So the first time I was invited to be on Air Force One, somebody gave me a tip that before you get on because the president's not there right away before you get on take lots of pictures videos so martha McSally and i did all of that we were like (laughs) on the stairs running up and down the stairs you know taking photos but anyway you get on you can also call people you know and that was fun so i called different you know my husband my daughter my son and the operator says this is Air Force One calling for you know, Joe Lesko from your wife, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just kind of one of those fun things that not too many people get to do. So I, I just started calling everybody. <laughs> like there was like everybody on there seemed very professional and they weren't going to do that. And I was just like a kid in a candy store. I was like, oh, I'm going to call everybody. So I'm sure the operator got tired of me calling everybody.
1: That's super cool. And you strike me as a seize the moment kind of person.
2: <laughs> yeah, you never know when this opportunity is going to come again. So, you know, I have like, uh, they have on the, we go in a conference room is where we sit. And uh, that's where all the like the guests uh, type of set. And they have like this agenda printed up that says Air Force One on the top. So, you know, I took that. I take the napkins, (laughs) (laughs) save them for souvenirs. (laughs) Are there? You know, I mean, how many times are you going to be able to do this? You never know, right?
1: Are there Air Force One peanuts?
2: No, I didn't have any. They okay. didn't have anything like that. Okay. It was just like a napkin, I think. <laughs> oh, and they, they give you a certificate if you ask for it. So I got a certificate that I flew on Air Force One.
1: That's, that's really... That, that was cool. That's yeah. really incredible. So I want to I double back there and just give you an opportunity to speak into uh, an individual, perhaps in an abusive situation. Here you are. You're getting to enjoy these defining moments, but I'm sure when you're in, in that moment of struggle... These these would never cross your mind, but just to give you an opportunity to encourage, particularly encourage women out there that that might be in a difficult environment.
2: Yeah, you know, back when I was married to my abusive husband, I mean, there was good times, but the bad times definitely outweighed the good times, and he had threatened to kill me multiple times. And I think, you know, after I finally decided to leave him, I I look back and go, why the heck did I do that? I'm an intelligent person. I don't know why I did that. And I still don't know to this day why I stuck with them. I think it's a combination of wanting to be loyal and uh, stick with your husband. And then there's, you know, some good times. But my advice to women and anyone, quite frankly, if you're in an abusive relationship, get out of it. (laughs) Life is going to get better. Um, and I was very blessed to meet, uh, I have a husband that I've been married to for years now, had more children. Uh, he's an excellent man. And, um, look at what happened to my life. So it's possible. I mean, my ex-husband would keep all the purse strings. I I didn't have any money. Hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do if I left. I didn't know where I was going to go. But you know what? It all worked out, and it worked out really well for me.
1: That's beautiful. I think one of the most beautiful words in the English language is redemption. And here you are, a marriage, children, um, making a difference every day in our country and in our state. And from that, then you went on and you served nine years in the Arizona Legislature.
2: I did. I did. So it started out just me volunteering in my kids schools and the PTA and then getting involved at the time I lived in the city of Glendale and I got involved as a volunteer in the city of Glendale community partnership program. And then I really wanted to know who the people were on the ballot that I was voting for. So I started going to Republican party meetings and in every district where people live every month, the Republican party, the people that live there have monthly meetings. It was very easy to get to know my elected officials because they go to those meetings and speak to the people. I started volunteering to register people to vote Then before you know it, I was elected as a volunteer, first at the district level, then the county Republican Party, then the state Republican Party. And then when an opening came up in the Arizona House of Representatives, I decided to, people asked me to run, I ran, I was elected, I served there six years, became, uh, got in leadership position, Ways and Means chairman, uh, whip and then went over to the Senate, became Senate Appropriations Chairman, Senate President Pro Tem, and again, a leadership position. And uh, here I am in the United States Congress, and I never would have dreamt it a million in a million years when I first started this.
1: There's there's the American story. There's the story of redemption. There's the story of encouragement. If you've just tuned in, you're going to want to stay. And we've got two more segments here with, with Congresswoman Lesko. We're blessed and honored to have her on the show, The Beacon. Our show is all about when God uses the unexpected to do the unexplainable. And you've heard... Debbie's testimony this morning. And so I want you to encourage you to stay tuned, listening. You're listening to The Beacon. Thanks for listening to 960 The Patriot.
0: The Beacon is made possible by Phoenix Christian and listeners like you.
1: Well, welcome back. You're listening to The Beacon, and this morning we have the Honorable Congresswoman Debbie Lesko uh, serving the state of Arizona and much of the Phoenix area in the West Valley. Uh, And we're blessed and honored to have her on the show this morning. And if you've just, if you've been listening, she was just uh, concluding a, a personal story of her uh, moving out of a, a domestic violence uh, situation and, sh- and, a, and an opportunity, a real encouragement to, to individuals that might be in a difficult moment or a, an abusive situation and just p- really, really enormously encouraging. I'm, I'm c- curious, Congresswoman, um, how does that impact? I, I've read here that you serve as the co-chair of the Congressional Caucus for Women's, women's Issues
2: i am i am so there's only 13 voting republican women in the entire u.s congress so i'm really outnumbered by the democrats (laughs) but the so we work together i'm the republican co-chair along with my democratic counterpart brenda lawrence from michigan and uh, we work on different issues we have different speakers come in for instance i invited cindy mccain to come speak to us one time about sex trafficking and human trafficking, which the McCain Institute um, works on. and so those type of things we also co-sponsored legislation together that is particularly helpful to women.
1: That's great and I appreciate appreciate that. So help me understand here's another part of your story. you went to school in Wisconsin. I did. And so how does a how does Wisconsin and Phoenix how does that all connect and intertwine there?
2: Well, I grew up in Kohler, Wisconsin, which is a beautiful village of Kohler, 1,200 people with <laughs> a large factory. That's where they make the sinks, the toilets, oh. the showers, K-O-H-L-E-R. Then I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison uh, and got my degree there, uh, my undergraduate degree. Then I, my first job, I worked up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, went to Marquette University, um, for some graduate classes there. And that's where I met my ex-husband and then we moved down to Phoenix. and um, that's the story. That's why I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and I love Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> Wisconsin is beautiful, but it's way too cold in the winter.
1: Yeah, I, I can imagine I'm a Phoenix native and so I, and, a, and a native of the West Valley. And so let me just say as a kid that grew up in the West Valley, um, grew, grew up just right outside of Glendale. Let me just thank you for your investment in our community. Thank you for your commitment to the West Valley. Thank you for being a champion for um, truth and liberty and and, and justice. And uh, in, in particular, in this conversation, as a father of, of two beautiful girls, a champion for women.
2: Well, I, I am proud to do it. I'm honored to do it. And one of the things that I just co-sponsored that's important to me is protecting women and girls rights and that includes the the democrats put through a bill they called the equality act but it's not equal what it says is that under penalty of federal law that a male a biological male who may still have all his male body parts has to be forced and in, into like schools religious organizations have to accept them in girls and women's sports and that's just one of the things in that bill and i just don't believe in that i mean women and girls have fought so long for their rights and i don't think they should be taken away by giving priority over tr- to transgenders over women and girls
1: i you know as a as a christian school educator who you know Students will often ask, especially in this time and moment that we're in, they'll ask about race relations and racism and gender equality. And one of the one of the the, the paradigms that we use at the school is that a sacred assignment that the Lord has given us, particularly is our race. I happen to be a a white Caucasian. That's a sacred assignment. There's we serve a large number of African Americans and Latino and Asian. We've got kids from all over the world at the school, and we celebrate that you're. Your racial identity, that's a sacred assignment by the Lord, but so is our gender identity, and that that's a sacred assignment from the Lord that we really want to champion and applaud and protect. And that is often quite different from what a lot of the discussion the rest of the world is having.
2: Yeah, well, I believe in equal rights for everyone, that everyone should be treated equally, but not one group of people should have priority over another group of people. And unfortunately, the Equality Act did just that. I mean, even in domestic violence shelters, uh, federal law would force them to take in biological males and put them in with women domestic violence shelters, even if the women were against it. And so that's just wrong. And I spoke out. I'm one of the few people that spoke out against it because I'm on Judiciary Committee and I'm a woman. And I I don't care if people criticize me or call me names for it.
1: Well, I appreciate and commend your courage. And that's one of the things we love to celebrate here on The Beacon as we turn the spotlight to you, your leadership and your commitment. Thanks for listening to The Beacon. You want to tune in the very last segment with Congresswoman Debbie Lesko.
0: Phoenix Christian believes strongly in its rich history and bright future, now equipping students from pre-K through 12th grade. Learn how you can help continue its legacy of Christ-centered education at phoenixchristian.org forward slash support. You're listening to The Beacon, presented by Phoenix Christian.
1: Good morning and welcome back and you've tuned in to a really important and critical episode as we have the opportunity to spend the morning with Congresswoman Debbie Lesko and and Congresswoman I would love to turn this conversation to the talk to really two topics as we wrap our time here together and the first one being educational freedom and then we can touch on the election but you know my heart. I'm, a, I'm wholeheartedly committed to education. I believe in educational freedom. I believe in the power of, of, of parents to determine where they want their students to attend. I'd love to hear your insight on that and let, let you express your convictions on it. And let's, let's dive in there, if that's okay.
2: Oh, I would love to. Thank you know, you. school choice and letting parents choose— the best education for their child, I'm absolutely passionately in support of it. Um, And when I was in the state legislature in the state house and state senate, I actually was one of the original co-sponsors of the ESA, empowerment scholarship accounts. And boy, did I get, uh, arrows uh, sent over my way from the teachers unions, from the district public schools, who do not like any competition at all. They want all of the money that follows the student to go to their schools, and that's why they oppose private schools, they oppose home schools, they oppose charter schools, public charter schools. and. Um, It's all about the money. And so I even had protesters in front of my house in Peoria, Arizona, uh, because they didn't like that I stand up for the student and the parent. Uh, So I support whatever education works for the parent and the student, whether that be public district schools, public charter schools, private schools, home schools. Uh, That's why I'm a huge supporter of student tuition um, organizations and tax credits uh, that help in private schools i'm a huge supporter of empowerment scholarship accounts that help especially special needs children um, because not all students are built the same it's not a one size fits all and parents should be able to choose and the only reason I can tell you from experience is that the, that the teachers unions and the people in the public district schools oppose school choice is because they want the money from every single student. It's just like every other business, follow the money, and it's they want all of the students to go to their schools because they get paid per child. And that's why they oppose school choice. But we're not going to let it stop them. So here in the United States House of Representatives, I just co-sponsored a bill that at the federal level, federal money would follow the student. So it would follow the student to whatever school they want to go to, whether it's a Christian school, private school, home school, you name it. Why not have taxpayer dollars follow the student? And that's what I believe in.
1: I appreciate that and applaud that. And let me share with you just even a story for, just from yesterday. I, I popped in the cafeteria at the school, uh, sat down with two of our students who happen to be autistic. Both of those students receive ESA funding. And let me just, in the, as someone living in the wake of your leadership and your commitment to the, to the Empowerment Scholarship, here are two autistic students who have come to Phoenix Christian um, a portion of their ES funding does help cover their tuition, but there is, there is some additional funding that comes with their, e, their empowerment scholarship account. And that what we do is we invest in individual aides, um, teacher's aides, teacher supports that walk with these students through the day. And we have watched two students that were at other, other institutions and in struggle. Where These particular two kids I sat down with yesterday at lunch are thriving. They have a friendship with one another. There's a solidarity um, they love and care for each other, and they are strong Christian witnesses on our campus, but they are the, they are the beneficiaries and lives changed of the commitment that you, that you made. And let me just share, too, is that one of the things that I know for certain is that the, the, a, a, a private school like the one that I serve is able to educate a student at a lower price than it costs the state of Arizona. And so private schools all across the state of Arizona are saving the taxpayer money, and providing an opportunity for individualized education that these parents have chosen to put their students in. And so on behalf of these two young men that I sat and had lunch with yesterday, Congresswoman, I just want to say thank you.
2: Well, I'm so glad that we had the support. And it was uh, at the time Republican controlled House and Senate in the state and a Republican governor. That's why we got it through, because I can tell you that my Democratic colleagues, um, do not support school choice. Now, I, I, in fact, I don't think I had one vote from any of my democratic colleagues to support school choice. They're all in line with the teachers union. And, you know, I'm not against teachers. Of course, I love teachers, but right. it is the union and they're trying to protect the money. That's what it's all about. Um, and so anyway, I'm a huge supporter of school choice that's why elections make a difference that's one of the reasons why elections make a difference well, let, let, um you've seen go on ahead. the campaign trail um the top you know the the democrat running for the president has said publicly that he would eliminate charter schools well if you're going to eliminate charter schools i bet he wants to eliminate all private schools and as- as well, or funding for private schools, and so uh, uh, President Trump is definitely a huge supporter of school choice.
1: I really appreciate. That. Let's turn our hearts and minds there to give you an opportunity to speak into the election. This is obviously a highly critical election, a pivotal point in our nation's in our nation's future. Um, go ahead, give me some insights and and just speak to the significance of this forthcoming election.
2: You know, every year, every couple of years, the politicians would always say, this is the most important election. But I can tell you, this is the most important election in my lifetime, and I'm 61 years old, soon to be 62. Um, Because there's such a huge difference. I see it here firsthand. Now, there are some of my Democratic colleagues that are common sense and reasonable and will work together with Republicans but there's a growing number of my Democratic colleagues that I would categorize as absolutely radical. And let me tell you just some examples of that. I'm on Judiciary Committee. So in Judiciary Committee, the Democrats pushed through a bill that was a policing reform bill in reaction to the George Floyd killing. Now, some of the things in the bill, like more training for police and stuff, Republicans were supportive of, Um, But other things that undermine the police, I mean, it actually undermined the police officer's ability to do their job, like making it easier to arrest and prosecute police officers, making it so that any individual could personally sue police officers, even if they were acting in good faith. These are things that the Democrats passed out of the House of U.S. Representatives. So it's no wonder that just about every police organization in the entire nation has endorsed President Trump. I've been endorsed by law enforcement as well, even though these unions don't always do that. And so it's, that's what law and order and protecting our communities is a huge difference this year between Republicans and Democrats. The other thing in Judiciary Committee, one of my Democrat Congresswoman Jayapal, who represents Seattle, I brought up something in that committee and she denied that there was a takeover of any blocks in Seattle. She denied it. She said, there is no takeover. There is no takeover. It's just peaceful protesters, poetry readers. Meanwhile, you have the police chief of Seattle saying there was rapes happening in that autonomous zone. There was four shootings, two people killed. They are in total denial that anything is even wrong. Um, The other issue is we already talked about is school choice, but another huge issue is between pro-life and pro-death. And you can see that when Republicans have gone to the floor a hundred times and asked Speaker Pelosi to vote on a bill that would protect a baby born alive from a botched abortion to give that baby medical care so the baby could survive. They will not hear the bill. They will not put it on the board for a vote because obviously they, they've they said it. They believe that if the mother wanted an abortion but the baby is born alive anyway, you should just let the baby lie there or throw them in a garbage can and die on their own. This is atrocious. I call it murder. And it's a huge difference between Republicans and Democrats on that issue as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's a matter of life and death, and I can hear in your voice uh, the extraordinary conviction uh, as a father, as a as, a, as a 500 lives that I, that I care for in my school. Each of them are sacred, and it seems like our country, at least in the opposition party, has lost its bearing. It's lost its reason. Um, in the name of politics and lives, lives are being taken. And, and far more, you know, as we, as we examine how we were going to respond as a school and, and protect our students in COVID, I couldn't help but recognize we're, we're losing far more lives um, in the tidal wave of abortion in this country than we, than we have lost in, through COVID. And COVID has certainly been a monumentally a, a serious issue, but, but far more and above is um, the lives that are consumed in the abortion clinics.
2: Yes, I mean, there's a huge difference in this uh, between uh, the Republican uh, President Trump and uh, Joe Biden on this issue. Um, It just is what it is. I'm not trying to be political. This is public statements. Uh, President Trump, many people have said he's been the most pro-life president in recent history. Uh, Joe Biden will support and has publicly said he will support abortion up to the very last moment. Um, and so th- this is this is a huge issue, especially for Christians. And it just there was only one Democrat member in the entire U.S. House of Representatives that would vote for with Republicans on pro-life issues. And guess what? They took him out in the primary. Yeah. So now next time there are none. There are no more pro-life Democrats left in the entire U.S. House of Representatives.
1: Incredible! Incredible. Congresswoman, I, w- I want to give you an opportunity too to to speak to um, to speak to your district, to speak to our city. Um, your vision for for the city, your vi- your vision for our country. I mean, we've heard your convictions this morning. I, I want to give you an opportunity to speak to vision, to a better day. What do you what What do you see possible here?
2: Well, you know, I'm a believer in God and that God. God is in control, so I know that we're all gonna be fine no matter what happens, and that's what keeps me at peace with myself. But that doesn't mean I'm not gonna work hard each and every day to stand up for what I believe in. And I've told people, we've all had the silent majority. It's time that we, the silent majority can no longer be silent. There's too much at risk. There's too much at risk, whether it's religious liberty, pro-life values, school choice, uh, jobs in the economy versus more taxes and regulation. Whatever is important to your listeners, there's a huge difference between the Republicans and Democrats in this election, and it's not. And it's actually about the future of our nation. Whether it's it's going to stay the America that it's always been, or if it's going to veer more towards socialism and government control. And so the important election, I also want to make sure that you and your listeners know that I have an Arizona office and we help people in our district all the time with federal agencies, whether that's Social Security benefits, Medicare, veteran benefits, IRS issues, immigration issues. We help hundreds of people all the time and with dealing with federal agencies. And so the number to my office for people that live in my district is 623-776-7911. Again, that's 623-776-7911. Or people can go to my official website at lesko.house.gov, which is L E S K O, lesko.house, H O U S E, dot gov, G O V. And I have tons of information there and how you can get a hold of me.
1: Thank you for that. And we'll make sure that's all associated with everything we put up on the internet. Congresswoman, it's been a blessing and honor. I'm encouraged. I'm inspired. Thank you for taking a part of your morning. God bless you. We're praying for you, and thank you for our service to our country, to our state, and to our city. Thank you for listening to The Beacon. Have a great day.